In sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. After last week's hotly contested mayoral race in the fictional town of Nod, I'm surprised that we are both back here uh, together again, but I guess the voters have spoken loud and clear, Chris Cato. Uh, we both received zero votes. So You know what that means, a, a runoff. We're headed for a runoff, so I hope you've got your, your staff working on some more of those attack ads. Either that or we just accept the anarchist state that this podcast has become. This, so. that's, this campaign left me bruised in many ways, Scott, due, yeah. to, due to your personal assaults. I, I think I shared with you that I, I showed our ads to my 10-year-old son, yeah. and I didn't ask him to tell me who was the best. And he sees mine, then he sees yours, and he says, Scott's ad is better. And I said, why? Because he used the word poop? And he said, no, because you do wear mom jeans. Oh, so okay. I, I burned, I burned all of my jeans. Look, I'm wearing these green, I'm wearing these green yeah, pants. We're for the starting rest of over. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, so thank you. I, I'm glad that I at least have one. But he should have cast his ballot. That would have been the deciding vote. So uh, we have a fun program to get to. But let's uh, let's lead to. Uh, you know, we could. It could be an an oligarchy, and uh, you know, it's it's highly funded by the man behind the curtain here, our, our chief oligarchist. Um, we welcome in Brian King, producer BK. Uh, so. I know that you were a part of the 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 mayoral race. You know, yeah. you kind of oversaw it. You wanted us to play fair. And uh, do you feel like the voters got it right? Uh, yes, by electing neither of you. Yes, <laughs> that is quite right. <laughs> Leave it to a man named King to declare. <laughs> ah, yes, he, mar- he should monarchy. be the only one in yes. power. It got nasty really quick, guys. It did. Got a little out but of hand. It's, but it's good that it's past us and it's behind us. So I think let's, so. let's move on to a uh, new day. All right, what do we got on the big program hey, here today, BK? Great show today. Starting off with the uh, Bucks playing over in Germany yeah. this weekend, taking on the Seahawks. Sarah Walsh, she'll be on the sidelines reporting for uh, NFL Network. She'll join us live from Munich. Wonderful. Wonderful, yes. And the LPGA Tour is in the Bay Area this weekend, and we'll be checking in with Brittany Lincecum, one of the uh, tour players who uh, is from the got Bay Area ties. Yeah, same so piece. that'd be good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, interested to talk to her. She just had a baby, and she's she's back out there back on the links. Yeah, nothing's going to keep her away. Well, so. when you have those little ones at home, you want to carve out as much golf time for yourself as you can. Absolutely. Well, uh, what do we have at the end of the show, BK? End of the show, we got a uh, – there's a guy who, I don't know if you've heard about this, ate, uh, ate a meal straight for 40 days okay. just to kind of prove a point. So I eat a meal every day, so I usually it's three. But it's the same <laughs> meal five. every single day for 40 days. Oh, it's the okay. – okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, well, what, what, are you going to tell us now, or do we Maybe have to wait that's, on that? Let's wait and see what it is. I want you to think about what you could eat okay. for 40 straight days, nonstop. There's a lot. A single right. meal. Name something I couldn't eat for 40 straight days. <laughs> <laughs> or currently do. Yeah. Uh, Jelly-filled donut, please. All right, very good. Thank you, BK. We'll see you in just a minute. Uh, If you are listening and you want to watch, go to fox13news.com slash nodpod. If you're watching, you want to listen or subscribe, point the camera or the smartphone there at the QR code on the screen. It'll take you to the nodpod splash page. You can click listen. All the shows are there for the taking. Uh, It's kind of like skipping through a field of wildflowers. You can can skip. You could frolic. You could... Grab a Sammy and have a picnic. Oh, a jelly-filled donut. A jelly-filled donut. Uh, 40 straight days in the Nod Pod 
uh, wheel field of, of wildflowers. So, uh, yeah, so a, a fun program to get to. Can't wait to get to some of these guests. Um, but I want to start with what's kind of happening in the both the college and the NFL landscape. I mean, you get this deep into the season, there's going to be hot hot seat rumors with coaches, but now starting to see some of these coaches fall off. And in the NFL, it was Frank Reich with the Colts, and they have replaced him with Jeff Saturday, who, of course, Colts fans know quite well. Uh, he was longtime center for Peyton Manning, six-time Pro Bowler, but he has zero coaching experience, at least at any upper echelon levels. High school, maybe on the resume there. So a lot of people are like, wow, we're going we're going to do this. We're going to experiment here midseason with an interim coach in Jeff Saturday. Well, uh, Jim Ursay pointed out that he has been a consultant for the Colts, so uh, I'm sure you've had consultants Consultant in your career before. How would you buddy. like your consultant to be <laughs> your boss? Uh, I, I wouldn't like that at all. It's an interesting move. Uh, clearly, Ursay has a lot of faith in Jeff Saturday. I think you know one hurdle will be they also fired their offensive coordinator before firing Frank Reich, so who's calling plays uh, for the Colts? How is this going to go? Um, how critical is it, do you think, for an interim coach to have some kind of play-calling experience? And, you know, usually it's, a, it's someone on your staff who moves up and fills that interim I mean, role, if right? they're an offensive coordinator, I, I want them to have play-calling experience. But, I mean, usually when you have interim coaches, the expectation is extremely low. It's it's just to sail this boat through the finish line, and uh, we will we – will, reconsider everything in the off season because most of these interim coaches never stay you yeah. know that that doesn't happen so i kind of look at this from saturday's perspective as this is just a, an audition to become a potential coach one day and uh he has nothing to really lose except a lot of football games but in terms of his <laughs> reputation i mean he's a talking head on espn he i'm sure he will have his job there waiting for him when he gets done so uh it's interesting but it does beg the question are there coaches that don't that you could see becoming coaches that have no coaching experience are, are there names out there if you were a gm you were a an owner of a franchise say you know what hey the season's pretty much lost got nothing to lose let's go reach out to this guy well and we're talking someone who has never coached at the nfl never level before yeah. um i you know i've star power uh, and I, he has coached in in movies. Uh, I would I would go Matthew McConaughey. I thought you were first. going Al Pacino for a second. Okay, well, that that would be a good one. <laughs> Scarface. No, I I think I think McConaughey. You know, he could rally the troops. He's play the bongo drums a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he was. Uh, he, we are Marshall. He did a great job as a coach in, in that film. And he is on. He's on the University of Texas's uh, staff as the minister of culture. So he could instill yeah. that. And uh, also, I think he's also involved in this group now that may buy the Redskins. So he may actually not want to coach the Colts if he's going to be owning the Redskins. Easier to be the owner. You yeah. don't have as much pressure on you. I think McConaughey that. would do a good job, though. You, you know who the inspirational uh, speaker Jocko is? Jocko? Jocko the Marine. Uh, have you seen no, this guy? I feel oh man, is that, is that the guy on your guy. is that who's on your shirt? Today? No, it's not. It's not Jocko. But I would I would go I would I would look at that guy. He's he's like viral videos okay. of inspirational speeches. But if I can't get Jocko, uh, I'm going to consider The Rock. Rock has played. Yes. He has experience. Uh, he knows how to lead, how to manage. Uh, I think the guys would rally toward him. He would you know 
he would lead off every speech with "Can you smell what the Rock is cooking?" and they would they would robustly you know respond and go out there and play hard for him. I also like Pitbull. You know. Oh yeah. He's, sure. We frequently mention him on the show. Armando, <laughs> as Ross <laughs> Chastain taught us to call him. Yes, he has coined such uh, inspirational phrases like turn a negative into a positive. I mean, that's a that's a lesson. That sounds original. Exactly. <laughs> live life. Don't let life live you. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want to hear before I'm running out on the field. Uh, there's no losing, only learning. So there you go. I he mean, did, he's he not did hard. He sounds like a player's coach. I just thought he promoted Dr. Pepper and Bud Light and vodka and anything else he can get yeah. his hands so, on. And, and, yeah, he'd be able to market your team quite well. Yeah, so. he's good. In college... It's a little bit more local. USF starts over. They have fired uh, Jeff Scott after three abysmal seasons, uh, four total wins out of 30 games, and now you, they're trying to find somebody else. This is this is a not a Power Five. This is a Group of Five program. They've struggled in the American Conference in recent years. They they have building projects underway, so there is a brighter future ahead for this program. But which direction do you go? John Gruden was a name that was mentioned. Of course. Yeah, I would say that like the the idea of a John Gruden seems like it would be a, a, a perfect fit uh, for no. him trying wow. to rehab his image, get back into the swing of things, uh, stay local, very ex, very lower, very uh, low on the expectation scale, but. You know, on the good side, it's a it's a name that will will immediately be able to resonate with you know a, a large portion of of the audience when I, it comes to recruiting. I don't think it'd be a good fit. I, I think it's it's a it's a name, and that's about it. I, how hard does he want to grind and kiss? boosters hands and also do the nil fundraising that is now such a part of the college football landscape and put up with these kids you know recruit that's hard i I don't think he wants to go grind Uh, of course he he would have to want that you know it's a matter of both sides wanting it but I, i think that it would potentially fit Deion sanders is another name i think he's already with what he's done at jackson state has kind of passed the uh, the gaze of the schools in kind of the mid-major realm. Yeah, he like, could he could work. I mean, he's he's obviously got the energy for recruiting. He's got the name brand. He can deliver the promise of getting you to the NFL because he's been there. He's brought in you know five-star talent at Jackson State. He could certainly do that with the recruiting fertile recruiting ground we have here in Florida. He could fit. He'd be a huge name, obviously. I, I would look at Matt Rule, too. He, he's a rebuilder, and that's what this program in Tampa, Florida, USF needs. Uh, it's kind of in shambles now, and, and he did the same. He did that at Temple. He took Baylor that was just, um, you know, decimated after the whole Art Bryles scandal and had them contending for Big 12 championships. He, he's not afraid of recruiting. He gets a good um, – what, what he did at Baylor that worked well is he got a lot of uh, high school coaches that were familiar in the state to be on his staff. He could do that easily here in Florida. I think Matt Rule is a guy who gets a call. Tom Herman's another name. Scott Frost is another name. So we shall see. But one of the things that, that you could probably mark John Gruden off the list is that Michael Kelly, the athletic director at USF, said he wants kind of a, a, a coach that has a modern sensibilities when it comes to college football and the landscape. And I think that that's, that's a – that's all about NIL, and, yeah. and it's a guy like a guy like Dion gets it, obviously. And a lot of these coaches are, are learning on the job how to recruit and build a program when that's a, a big part of it. All right, uh, speaking of the college football uh, landscape right now, uh, the the playoff rankings are out for the second week now, and we have Georgia sitting on top after um, after their big win. 
and they jump from three to one. Ohio State in at two, Michigan three. TCU rounds out the top four. Trying to kind of play this thing out. We got three weeks left in the in the college football regular season. What what kind of scenarios can play out? We know that we're probably not going to see two Big Ten teams. Michigan and Ohio State are going to face one another at the end of the season. Uh, the SEC with LSU, could they be a, a, a team that comes in and spoils the party? They, they've done this now last week against your team. But they have two they have two losses on the season. If they're the SEC champs, I think they're definitely in the top four. You think they would be in? I would if, think if so. They, if they run the table and win, let's say they play Georgia in the SEC championship, you think LSU's in? Yeah, I, I think a, I think a two-loss SEC champion is in. I, I I just have a hard time believing that a two-loss team would get in. It hasn't happened yet in the eight-year college football playoff. Well, if they era. beat Georgia and Georgia is sitting there at one loss, you, you have to have two teams in the SEC in then. Tennessee would Georgia. Be, Tennessee would would benefit from that. Tennessee would get in over LSU. You can't take away what Tennessee did to LSU three weeks ago at LSU. They they beat them down. So ten, Tennessee's probably cheering for this scenario. It would benefit them. And you know t- uh, LSU lost the first game of the season to Florida State, which is now you know a pretty good team. But I just don't see it. Even with that conference title, with beating a program like Georgia, which would be the number one team in the land, I don't see LSU getting. So it. in that scenario, you think that they that the playoff committee would put then Georgia in that just lost in the SEC championship game, leave the SEC champ out, and potentially get Tennessee in? I think the I think the uh, I don't think the SEC champ with two losses or any conference champion with two losses getting in. Now that's a good question. Would they put two SEC teams who each have a loss and aren't conference champs in? Probably not. Probably just one of those depending on it always depends on what else happens in the other conferences and how that loss looks if LSU wins a squeaker on a last second field goal over Georgia I could still see Georgia yeah. getting in because they've I been so dominant I don't see how you could keep a, a team again this is a scenario of them now rattling off some really significant wins uh, and winning the SEC beating the number one team in the country you can't keep LSU out. You, well, you just couldn't. You, you could. No- okay, if you have, uh, if TCU remains undefeated, wins the Big Twelve, you got to put them in. I think it's. I uh, think it doesn't matter. I, I think the you, SEC okay. champ will be in, with the exception of LSU losing another game down the stretch and being a three-loss SEC champ. I think LSU, if they run the table, they are in. Uh, the rest of the way, if they beat Georgia, and I think, but I think the question is, how many SEC teams can potentially get in? And I think if LSU wins the SEC, you know, are you talking about three SEC teams possibly getting in? If LSU wins the SEC championship, Georgia would be the number one team at that point in time, just assuming, and I think they still make it in. You would need TCU to lose down the stretch. Which is the likely. Pac, the Pac-12 would need to beat up one another. They always which, do. You know, UCLA, USC, they're going to face one another. Oregon has to face Utah here in the regular season down the stretch. Plus, you know, play a championship what, what happens game. in the yeah. championship game. So, you know, there is a possibility that TCU or Tennessee, rather, a team that, that isn't going to get into the, the championship game most likely could sit in there and maybe become the third team. I don't think it's a good look. You know, you know what? I think look. it opens the door more for it. If LSU wins, the SEC championship is two Big Ten teams getting in, and that would be Ohio State and Michigan. I, I think that's that's more likely, the two Big Ten teams getting in, than 
than the two-loss SEC champ LSU. Yes. Wow. I, I, yeah, I don't see it that way. Um, but we do know that one thing that they like to do in the SEC is storm the field after big wins. They and, do. Uh, only over Alabama, though. That's the only well, time they storm the only field. Only LSU. They've done it now four times this year. And there are heavy fines that happen when you storm the field. Yeah. Uh, and the SEC is trying to discourage fans from doing it with these these hefty fines. $50,000 to the university for the first offense. 100000 for the second offense, and then two fifty every time after. And after that LSU's storming of the field They're against up. Alabama, yeah. another $250,000 fine. How do, you, how do you stop that from happening? Uh, it's called razor wire. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, right. not, not, not razor wire, but no, you have to. And I think it's going to be addressed, right, because we've seen after the Alabama-Tennessee field storming, an Alabama player, uh, some say hit, Others say he shouldn't have touched a female fan on the field. Then we saw an Alabama coach after the LSU field storming who was aggressively pursued by an LSU fan, and they had to escort the coach off the field. So the SEC has said they're going to meet and address this field storming thing and come up with some stricter protocols. How do you keep 80,000 people from jumping into the state? You have to have... A, a barrier of some sort you uh, a, a, a nice looking fence with spikes on it with spikes on the top yeah you, you got to do something I don't know I, I I don't think that they should uh, but I I think that that's that's part of what you love about sports is that there's an engage yes. there's an engagement with the fans and then sometimes it kind of pours over that you know you can't control a World Series or Super Bowl celebration in the streets of a town you know when when wins like this happen in a you know a, in a, an environment that is packed with a hundred thousand people and a lot of them are under the age of you know 25 like they're gonna they don't care about a fine that the university well, they'll is care about occur. a spiky fence I, I agree that uh, you can't do that I mean you just you, you, why not you this is why you lost the mayoral race you your border policies are weak uh, no, I agree that the field storming, court storming in basketball is special. It separates college from the pros and that kind of thing. But you can't do it every time. I mean, is everyone going to storm the field when they beat? I mean, is beating Alabama worth storming the field now? They're just kind of an okay team. You you have to wow. have a limit. I mean, do you set a limit? Do you tell a university, okay, you get one field storming per year? But the university is not going to be uh, – my point is, is that you can't you can't regulate that. I don't think I think that uh, the fan base has to realize that like it's not cool anymore, you know. Like that's it, well, that's it, it not going to happen. It, they can't just sit there and like man it with, you know. I'm going to put two dozen security guards around the outside and I'm going to start arresting kids once they jump down on the field. Like, good luck. It might it might it might discourage it in to some degree, but uh, my guess is that the next gigantic win, like they're just going to run right past you. So. I don't know. I, I think that, you know, you look at the ACC, the Big Ten, they don't incur any fines for storming the field. It, it may not be as big an issue. Maybe, they don't have a reason Maybe the fan to. base isn't as, yeah. <laughs> isn't as passionate. But yeah, it's one of those things that, like, I think it's become watered down. Like, the reasons for storming a field have become less and less over the years, and it becomes a popular thing. It, I mean, it is there is a danger. Like, you know, one of those, the goalpost snaps off and, and whips yeah. a fan like that. that. This is dangerous stuff, but... I just don't I don't think there's a way you can really regulate it. If you want to build fences around your stadium to keep the fans out, that's that's one way to build do it. Build the fence. Build that you wall. Tear down the hedges. It's build a big, the fence. Beautiful wall. <laughs>
Chris, what do you say we talk a little football? International football, mind you. Oh, uh, right. soccer? Absolutely. No, incorrect. Oh. She covers the Bucks with the NFL Network as part of the broadcast team on the call for this weekend's game in Germany. All the way from Munich, we welcome in Sarah Walsh. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Guten Tag. Uh, have you br- been brushing up on your German? Um, I have. I, my family's actually from Germany. And if you want to talk soccer, I can do that too because we were at a Bayern Munich game last night. I saw that. I've been, I've been uh, watching your Instagram. It looks like you guys had. Did that make you? You were a four year starter at North Florida and Jacksonville. Did that make you want to run out onto the pitch and see if you still, mm. see, still see if you still got it? Of course, obviously. <laughs> uh, no, you know what's so funny? This is how warped I am. I always, um, and I cover the national team and I have for Fox previously. And uh, I would always, the women's side, but like I would watch these games and I'm like, could I, like honestly, like could I get out there? And it's like, you know, like dude playing like flag football in the backyard being like, oh, I could play linebacker in the other. Like I can't, like I wasn't even at that level then, mm. but there's like a warped side of you. So even last night in this Bundesliga game, I'm like, I mean, like, what if I was like on the field? Like, no, that's, I know it's so warped and yet that is what I think. And I've never seen a field, like a pitch like that. I mean. Look, I, I grew up a soccer player in the Tampa area, and um, it's soccer is not over there what it is here. And right. so you hear that all the time. I've never seen it. I've never been to a Premier League game. I've never been to a Bundesliga game. So walking into that stadium and seeing that kind of soccer, it was insane to me. Just, huh. it's everything you think. It's like the Ted Lasso stuff you think. It's <laughs> it's awesome. And it was the stadium that the Bucks will be on, uh, will be playing at Sunday night. So it was actually cool too to, be in there and the environment was so insane and then to think that like oh i'll get to be on the field on Sunday because I'm actually on the game like that that was like really cool too well you know we've seen these the, the games at uh, Wembley and at, at Tottenham and you know how does how are the digs like how nice is this stadium and how do you expect the kind of the the crowd to look on Sunday night or Sunday morning um I can tell you this so I've never been to Munich before it's so pretty it looks like um it's not Chris they don't have Christmas stuff up yet but it's what you like kind of imagine this like perfect picturesque little like Christmas village town minus the Christmas tree not yet. like it's just like it's something out of sort of that Cameron Diaz movie the holiday even though I know they were in England it was just, <laughs> just like, very, it's very picturesque it's very clean it's very pretty I could not believe I, I know that everyone was like well the Germans will all speak English to you like they really do literally every single person speaks English to you you walk into a store and before you even open your mouth they're like hey how are you doing and I'm like how do you know I'm like they just they know they are so excited about the NFL being here um, they, it is impossible to get tickets. They're going for like 2000 euros a piece, which is really $2,000 wow. a piece. Um, the wait to even get tickets was insane. Uh, this is like a Super Bowl for them. So I, wow. I did, I've never done one of the London games, so I don't know how it compares to London, but I, you know, London has had them now for a couple of years. Mexico has had them. Germany's never had it. So it's super exciting for them. Um, this place is going crazy. Like they're just so excited to to have this here and it's different and um although i will tell you this i was in makeup earlier today and um the girl that was doing my hair said she's never heard of tom brady oh so wow. i know that well yeah you you you, so that you, like, yeah. you educated her then <laughs> yeah well like it's just like again the like global like soccer you know global and football is you know you don't it's very hard to find someone who doesn't know who tom brady is and had never heard of him and um and then my other my makeup artist is like well, like, you know his, well, I don't even want to get into it. Like, you know people he's been married to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's very famous. But um, sure. it's just very, very rare. But that, like, goes to show you. Um, now, I think that this, the, my 
and my hair girl was like probably the minority of people that have not heard of Tom Brady. But you just you can't go anywhere in America with that happening. It just doesn't happen. Well, I think that's going to change over the next few years because the, they're yeah. them playing in Munich is part of this initiative by the NFL, and that's one of those. I guess it's basically like a fan recruiting site for the Bucks that they have an oppor- an, an opportunity to to market their product and you know because expansion is in they've talked about having yeah european division right do you think just having been there this week do you see a vision for that do you feel like that is more doable when they talk about you know having kind of a a western europe division it would be awesome i'm not sure how you would do it i mean as it is like this season is such a grind for these guys as you know like just now going to 17 games and like how would you do that and i mean i guess if you had a division that's just playing over i mean that's it's a lot like i know it's logistically a lot for the bucks to be coming over here i know it's logistically a lot for this it's a lot it's a lot of planning um i think the interest i mean if they judge by like the tickets interest like the interest is huge um it's it's i don't know it's just very cool like it's very cool to see people so excited about something that is just kind of our everyday norm on a sunday probably like how i was at the soccer game last night um they're just like so excited about it and that's cool to see and it's just um it's such a fabric of like our lives but here it's an anomaly um to them so they're so excited and and i mean i know that obviously like the lead wants to expand it's interesting you said that about the marketing thing because i didn't realize so when i got over here when i got over here um Saturday mornings when I arrived and I'm, you know, I would go running around town and there were Bucks signs everywhere. And I was thinking like, well, where's the Seahawks stuff? God, this is very like Bucks bias, you know? <laughs> and it's because they have, they're one of the four marketing, which you alluded to. And then as I did some research, um, the Hofbrau House is this famous, it's like the most famous place where everyone goes and gets their German beer and all this stuff. And the whole Hofbrau House is like, it's all like Bucks paraphernalia. And I just kept thinking they were gonna put up the Seahawks stuff and they didn't. Um, and so it's definitely a heavier like bucks sway over here, but that has to do with their marketing deal, which I wasn't even totally aware of or thinking about when I was going around town. But it's a it's a heavy bucks contingent here in Munich. For sure. Uh, I got to ask you, you know, on the field for this Bucks team, they come off a big win last. I mean, I don't know that they've answered all the questions that that we still have. You know, they, they didn't score the first touchdown until the, the remaining nine seconds of last week's game against the, the Rams. But I, I have to give a, a lot of credence to the mental aspect of snapping a three game skid. Where do you think this team is going into Munich? How much of a relief was getting one off off their back last week? Uh, well, it had to be a huge relief, right? And um, and I totally, for us being over here and trying to be like, you know, it's the Seahawks and the Bucks. it definitely helps that we've got two teams that are coming off wins. You have two teams that are leading their division. And I think that's what's been the weirdest thing about the Bucks, trying to wrap your mind around the fact that, you know, if you're in Tampa, it's been all gloom and doom and it hasn't looked good. And you're saying all these things and how many teams would love to be leading their division. Right. Um, that being said, so it's sort of like, how do you temper the what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. But the reality is, is um, you you alluded to this, they scored with nine seconds left to go. If yeah. that isn't a touchdown, if Kate Otten drops that pass, if they don't get in there, like what is the narrative this week? I mean, it is far different than, I think that this team kind of just needed to find its confidence. And mm-hmm. I don't know that that means that we see them on Sunday coming out and, and firing um, touchdowns left and right, because we have not seen that all season long. Um, I I think, you know, I talked to Chris Godwin this week and he said something and he goes, I think we're really close. Now, I know that's like cliche, right? And guys always say that. And he goes, I know what you're going to think. He goes, I, I know exactly what you're going to think. He's like, you, 
it doesn't look like from the product that we put on the field. I know it doesn't look like that. And he's like, but like from the guys on the inside. And I have to believe that like they're saying that because for a reason. And I and I don't I know it could just be a soundbite, right? But he was like, I know, I know how it looks. But I also think um with him in particular, you know, he told me he hasn't been hundred percent, right? He came back from an ACL faster than anybody expected. And then as soon as he's on the field, I think we expect him to be him. And um, and he told me that's been challenging. Like he's still like working back to, to getting to where he was. And that's also been a narrative. I know Byron was asked, like, you don't really have this third receiver. It's Mike and Chris and Chris, not the, the normal Chris we've right. seen because he's working way back. And then there's nobody at three. So what are teams doing? They take away Mike and Chris. And um, so I think mentally it has to be huge. You hope that it changes some things. You hope that maybe um, this defense, which we're used to seeing get takeaways, somehow comes up with some on Sunday and maybe that starts the ball rolling. But I'm also not naive enough to think that you scored a touchdown with nine seconds left, like all their problems are fixed. Right. And um, and I'll tell you, I really thought, not that the problems were fixed, but I thought they would come out against Pittsburgh and just mm -hmm. roll. I thought that would be it. I go, I thought they'd come out against Pittsburgh. I thought Tom would throw like four touchdowns and we'd be like, okay, here's here's the box. Yeah. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, oh, they're gonna kill the Panthers. Cause I, again, <laughs> I'm going, I, I thought they would go back to the meeting rooms and be like, cause I just think in this time that we've seen Tom there, they typically correct what goes wrong. Like we saw him do it against the Chiefs. We saw him do it against the Saints. Like when they've had these bad losses, they always figured out and um, we just haven't seen that this year. And when they came up against the Panthers and I was so sure that they would crush them, let alone it going the other way, I I like can't say like, oh, I feel like they'll come out and cry. I, I don't feel like, you know what I mean? Like we just haven't seen that. No. Um, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know the exact reason like you haven't seen it. And there's just not one thing you can pinpoint to. Do I think a win maybe like changes something mentally that can spur you on when you're not there? you know where you would be normally like maybe i mean i mean maybe that they they have to hope for that um and then i also need news from you guys because i have reports to do on nfl network and i'm so far from home like what's happening with the storm there are the bucks getting here like i mean i i'm like trying to like go back home and be like what, what's happening down there do you want to give a, a weather report here chris where is our chief meteorologist <laughs> uh east coast of florida is about to get whacked with some yeah. tropical storm or small uh, weaker hurricane force winds uh but here in the tampa bay area you know, we're expecting by Thursday evening some possible wind gust of 45, 50 miles an hour. Nothing severe. We should mention that we're taping this on a Wednesday. So. Of course, yes. This may already be yeah. past you by. But yeah, yeah it, it, it looks like it's going to be a, a coastal event, storm surge event for the east coast of Florida. Some high winds over there, uh, you know, north of West Palm, but in the Tampa Bay area. The Bucks should be fine getting out. Well, they yeah. leave, they yeah. leave tomorrow, so yeah. they leave on Thursday, yeah. but I, I haven't heard any change of plans. Yeah. Uh, I just know there were people getting very nervous, like people and fans and family that are coming over from Tampa. And I just, again, we're in the middle of November. It just was not on uh, my radar. And I'm, who knew I had to come to Munich for the good weather? Because it's been, it's been awesome yeah. over here. <laughs> it looks Seriously, great. So I wasn't even, I left Tampa and it was beautiful. And then the next thing you know, this this pops up and I'm like, wait, what's happening? So um, I've been kind of trying to like monitor some of that from over where we are. And um, and like I said, we've been really fortunate over here. Um, the rain is coming in on Thursday, which is when the Seahawks arrive. So that seems pretty appropriate yeah. for them. <laughs> uh, so 
Uh, but yeah, it's it's been an awesome experience, and, and hopefully the game will be as well on Sunday. The tide starts to turn in Munich. That's, That's where know. the story gets written, Chris, this season for the Bucs. Uh, you, you nailed it, though, Sarah. I mean, there's so many things that, that people just haven't really gotten their minds around. Why is a team that seemingly is as talented as the Bucs struggling the way they are? At some point, will that start to turn? And uh, perhaps it takes you know flying halfway across the world to turn things around. Well, we uh, hope that you enjoy plenty of uh, bratwurst. Yes. And a schnitzel. A schnitzel yeah. and a pilsner. Yeah. And a prost, I believe, is what we, you say, it's right? It's cheer. Yeah, cheers. There we go. Prost. Cheers, too. Yeah, we've had several of those. Well, prost to you, and thank you so much yeah. for joining us, and uh, all the thank best this guys. weekend. Safe travels back. Sarah Walsh. Thanks for your time, Sarah. Thank, thank you. Bye. Chris, have you been to Germany? I have once. Yeah? Dusseldorf. Have you heard of Dusseldorf? I have. I thought that was like a fictional place. Is that that not where they did Lord of the Rings? That was my nickname in high school. They were like, (laughs) Dusseldorf, go to Germany. (laughs) Get over here. Get us a schnitzel. No, uh, Dusseldorf, it was a dream job assignment a long time ago when they allowed local media to tour with local Air Force bases. They took us on a tour of European, uh, U.S. bases in Europe, and one is uh, near Dusseldorf. Is it Ramstein? No, it's not. You're going to ask me the name of the base, and okay, I'm not going to no, remember it's, it. It's fine. It's but, fine. I think <laughs> it's I think not Rams, but Ramstein is one. Right, that's one of them. I've heard of that. Yes, so. but I have I have been there. I would love to go back. Yeah. Well, very good. I mean, it's a busy weekend. We got the Bucks away, but locally. We have a big golf tournament taking place, the Pelican Golf uh, Women's Championship. Battling the weather. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of fun, and and that leads right into our next guest. She has eight LPGA wins, two-time major champion, and she hails from the great state of Florida, Chris. Let's welcome to the program Brittany Lincecum, competing in the Pelican Women's Championship in the Bay Area this week. And Brittany, it's a big week for you personally because this is is your return to the tour uh, after the birth of your second child, which I believe was back in August, right? So what are the challenges that that you individually are facing as you get ready to compete? You know, it's definitely going to be more challenging with two. One was pretty easy. You know, somebody could always help me with her. And now having two, a little bit different. Um, The three month old doesn't like to sleep right now. So uh, (laughs) not getting too much sleep. So relying on Starbucks a lot these days. Um, But, you know, it's great. It's a home game. Like you said, I can drive to the golf course. I can sleep in my own bed, keep my family here in the house. Uh, have a home-cooked meal. Um, so what better event than to start uh, right in my backyard? That's a good home-filled advantage. Yeah. So yeah. that that's after having Sophia. Uh, let's talk about when Sophia was still waiting to make her appearance. You played your last event in June at 30 weeks pregnant. Uh, <laughs> what was that like? How, how difficult was that, or, or was it difficult for you? It's actually uh, almost 33 weeks pregnant, and... Um, you know, I felt fine. I felt great. I wasn't that big, um, so I could still play, uh, and I was competing pretty well. So why not just keep going? It really, really helped keep, uh, you know, those what's supposed to be 40 weeks. Uh, they kind of went by really fast, just being out on the golf course and doing what I love. So, um, you know, I was super lucky she came at 36 weeks, um, which was great. We got to, you know, spend an extra month with her, which was incredible. And um, she's growing like a weed, but it's just, it's such a cool experience to like go through all that and be able to kind of do my job and um, you know be pregnant at the same time. It, it's been awesome. Well, the name of our podcast is No Off Days, and I feel like you have embodied that, that you didn't take any <laughs> off days. Uh, but now uh, little Sophia is three months, you said. Is that right? Yes. 
Yep. So I know that between you and then your husband is like a former long drive competitor. Does Sophia yeah. already have a club in her hand or is this too soon? <laughs> you know, not yet, um, but I'm sure it's only a matter of time. You know, the three-year-old has some clubs, but we still just kind of whack the dog with them. We don't really oh. know how to uh, play the game of golf yet. So, um, you know, maybe a little bit more time and then she'll get the hang of it. Dog leg to the left, right? Well, this is yeah. uh, the LPGA has has grown very rapidly in the last couple of years. You got a lot of young stars. This event you're mm-hmm. playing in here in Bel Air, uh, the Pelican, is in its its third year. Um, mm-hmm. Bigger purse this year, as with a lot of the LPGA LPGA events. How is ex- how exciting is it? Is it how exciting is it to have uh, an event like this in your backyard? Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, we used to have the J.C. Classic back in the day, that team competition. Um, and I remember going to that, being the standard there, and just thinking how cool it would be one day to be a professional golfer. So to have this event uh, in my backyard, to be on the tour for 18 years now, um, and like you said, all this young talent up and coming, the tour is getting harder and harder. And, um, you know, it's just, you have to have your A game every week. You can't um, slack at all. You know, maybe kind of around even par, one over used to make the cut every week. Now you have to be under par every week. So it's just getting tougher and tougher. and. Uh, it's cool to see the direction the tour is going. You know, we have more events on tour, like 34, I think, on the schedule now. Uh, purses are getting bigger. It's just a great time to be a part of the LPGA. So give us a little bit of that perspective from when you you first joined the tour in 2005, correct? How has yes. the LPGA changed over the course of that time? Just definitely more events. You know, I think when I first started, we had like low 20s. Now, like almost 34, 35 on the schedule. Uh, next year we're playing for over $100 million in prize money, which is incredible. Um, It's just, you know, it's getting younger, like you said already, you know, it's just, the talent is getting harder. You know, it used to be kind of the top 20 on the money list were the same girls that won every week. Now, I mean, you can go down to, gosh, like, the sky's the limit, really, honestly. I can't even give you a number. Anybody on tour can win these days, and it just shows how deep the tour goes. And um, just how talented all the players are, you know, college, whether they come out of college or whether they turn pro out of high school, um, the talent is really stepping up its game for sure. Well, Pelican Golf Club President Dan Doyle said earlier this week, and you probably heard this, that he would like to see this at one point become the Masters on the Ladies Tour. How, how is that accomplished? I mean, that, that, is, that is a lofty expectation to throw out there, but how do you get there? That's a great question. I mean, I feel like he's already on the right track. He has an amazing golf course. Um, even last year, last year was the first year with fans. Um, and then he said, you know, asked all of us players, sent out emails asking, you know, what he could have done better. And it's cool to see, you know, a new sponsor come into the LPGA to care about us so much and to really care about what he could do better for us. So um, some small little tweaks, you know, he already fixed those. And um, sorry, my three-year-old, you want to say hi? <laughs> say hi. Yeah. There she is. Hey. Hi. Are you going to be watching <laughs> some golf this week? Go. Oh, yeah. She knows when mommy puts on golf clothes that mommy's going to play golf. So it's really cool to see her already putting those two and two together. Um, but back to Dan and the Doyles, you know, he's bringing on Annika next year. I mean, that's only going to elevate the game. Um, the first is doubling. Holy cow, guys! Go away. That's actually better. This is no. This is real. We like Um, we like real. Uh, Do what? um, The purse is doubling. The purse is getting bigger. So the Doyle family is already stepping up its game, and um, I truly believe if he feels like this, he wants this to be the masters for the ladies. 
he will make it that. He will get it there. And um, it's just cool to see him, you know, spending so much time, money, effort into the LPGA to make it better for us. Brittany is a father of a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. Um, those moments I still go through all these years later. So you get to look forward to that. They, but now they just fight with each other. So, uh, but yeah. So the the renaming of the tour next year is actually going to be the Annika. Um, so I guess it kind of takes after the Masters and that kind of singular name. Did you have any uh, sway in maybe trying to get it called the Britney? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that was an option. So I'm a little bit bummed that I didn't think of that, you know, already to try to like throw that out there. But I mean, Annika has done so much for the game and she's such a, a head. I mean, her resume is just incredible. So anything she's going to put her name on, she's going to want it to be the best. So I think with the Doyle family and Annika uh, being involved, I mean, this this tournament is going to be incredible. I mean, it's already incredible. It's really one of the, the best ones on our tour. Um, so I, I can't even imagine um, how much better it's going to be in the future. Well, we, we see on the men's tour, obviously, what Liv has done, and that in addition to providing other opportunities, um, it, it's kind of provided somewhat of a polarizing topic for those that are now affiliated with the Liv tour. Greg Norman has said that he'd like to expand that to the women's side of things. Uh, do you mm-hmm. see that taking place, and how intriguing would those possibilities be? Yeah, you know, people have asked me this in the past, and I haven't been personally invited or asked to go play, um, so I, I don't you know, honestly know what direction I would go in personally. Um, and then we had a, a meeting actually last night with the tour uh, and the commissioner said, you know, we haven't even spoken to them yet. Um, they haven't come our way just yet. But I mean, uh, I mean, I know some players love it, some players hate it. So it's, it's definitely finding the middle ground and trying to figure out what the best for the tour is, I guess. But, um, you know, girls got to do what they got to do. You know, if they're, they're throwing big dollars out, I mean, yeah. It would be hard to pass up, but obviously there's there's other side to that as well. So um, I guess that's a bridge that we're going to have to cross when we get there. And uh, I guess the LPGA and them, are, we're not there yet. So. Well, Tiger has taken his his claim and his stake on, on this topic, but he is also yeah. going to be coming into town here in a few weeks to play at the very course that you are playing at uh, yeah. as part of this match. How cool. Did you do you watch those? Uh, when you get to see like the trash talk that takes place between these guys out on the course, is it similar to what you go through? I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm definitely hoping to get a ticket to go out there and check it out because it's going to be something very special. Um, but I, I would imagine it's the same kind of on our tour when you know we're playing either a birdie game or even the tournament rounds and, and you're playing with a buddy. Um, just kind of what you say to them, uh, you know, during the round. I'm sure it'll be even funnier because it's a, a kind of more of an exhibition, 12 holes. Um, but I am super excited to, to get out there and go watch those guys light it up under the lights, no less, which is going to be really amazing for sure. That is intriguing. I'm, I, haven't, I haven't checked out the lighting situation there, but glow-in-the-dark balls would always be fun. They, they've yet to invite us to play out there. <laughs> you, Brittany, you, you made history a few years ago playing, uh, with an exception, in a PGA Tour event mm-hmm. and, and just narrowly missing the cut. Have you... Um, have you thought about a future opportunity to, to take another swing at that? You know, I, I haven't. Again, it's one of those things like the live golf. I haven't been approached to do it yet, so I don't really think about it. But um, I can tell you that one time that I, I did play, you know, I was super concerned more so about how the fans would react or even the media would react to it. And everybody was amazing. It was truly one of the coolest experiences I've ever done. Um, 
the, you know, the PGA guys, when I got there and I was hitting balls on the range, a lot of them came up to me and said, hey, so great you're here. You know, welcome to the tour. And everyone was super friendly and I didn't get too many, you know, negative marks on, on social media, which was really nice of people to not, you know, beat me up too bad. Um, but it was really cool. You know, it, we got like four inches of rain or something silly uh, a couple days prior to teeing it up on Thursday. So the golf course just played so much longer than I was anticipating. Um, but it was it was a really cool experience, and I was happy I did it. But no hurricane. No hurricane. Uh, <laughs> no. That will be maybe a new experience. Uh, because here in Florida. <laughs> right. Because you are a, a Tampa Bay product, I got to ask you, are you, are you a fan of the other teams in town? Or are you a Bucks fan, Lightning fan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Bucks, Rays, um, Lightning, obviously. I mean, it's it's a great time to be a, a Tampa Bay fan, for sure. Oh, yeah. um, how do the Bucks turn it around, Brittany? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I wonder, you know, you know, now the divorce is done. I don't know. Maybe he can Just, get his head back in the game. But I, I'm sure that is not easy to be going through right now. Oh, without question. And that was the hardest question that we had for you. How, how do the Bucks figure this thing out? So they still have another half the season to go. Well, we, They'll get it. They always turn it around. We'll be fine. Exactly. Well, we, we appreciate your time. And, and we, along with your, your rather large uh, crowd that will be on hand at the Pelican this week, will be cheering you on to a victory, hopefully your ninth LPGA Tour victory here this week in your own backyard. Brittany yeah. Linscombe, thanks for joining the program. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you so much. We'll be, we'll that be would watching, be fantastic. We'll be watching your girls play in about uh, 20 years too. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'll be caddying for them. Oh my gosh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Good stuff. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you. During our interviews, Chris, have you been doing some Googling? I found Jocko. This is Jocko yeah. you spoke of. Do you recognize him? I'm intimidated just looking at yeah. his. I don't recognize him. It says he's an author, but he looks like the only books he's probably encountered are the ones he tore in half. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a looks like he could get some discipline instilled yeah. in a football team. His you know? neck is thicker than your waist. So yeah, well, that's that's not saying a lot. Would, but I think he would fire him up. Yeah, for yeah. sure. All right, let's bring in Brian King back in the booth. Uh, BK, good show. But uh, I think you're going to set us off in the right direction here because uh, you know I'm. It's it's approaching lunchtime. I'm hungry. I'm getting yeah. hungry. So food is always on the menu. What's on the menu, buddy? What's on the menu? A guy in Philadelphia. Uh, set a record I guess or something he just wanted to challenge himself to eat the same meal every single day for 40 straight days sounds like a dude thing to do it does and his meal of choice was a full rotisserie chicken yeah <laughs> I love rotisserie chicken but 40 straight days I'm not sure that's messy yeah, yeah. I, get a little me I mean you gotta have a bib fork knife we just uh, no, ripping, it, we're just it, shredding into it the videos i watched of him he was just picking it apart oh, so you've kind seen of this. caveman style you can't watch much of it because there are a lot of squelching sounds but so and the funny thing is like mm. no it wasn't to set a record or to compete in one of these viral online challenges or as a fundraiser or anything he just did it because he thought it would make people smile so he ate rotisserie chicken one per day for 40 straight days well, brian's smiling right now i am or maybe that's just uh, gas. I don't know. He, uh, he likes a good rotisserie chicken. Yeah. He all, this guy also lost 16 pounds during the course of this, but he said he, he straight protein, baby. But he felt awful because of all. The, after about day 20, the sodium had taken over his body, and he was just seizing <laughs> up and cramping and sweating nonstop. So. I'm not sure that's the way to go about well, losing. Those might have pounds. been yeah genetically modified uh, old chickies. Yeah, you never know what you're getting. I guess. Is there a food that you guys would could eat for 40 straight days? Yeah. Tell me. I, I mean, I, I want me to go down the list? I mean, it, it has to be a meal. It can't be, I mean, everybody could eat a donut or a, you know, a 
Twinkie. I, I, think, I think we have to say that it has to be something comparable to a full rotisserie chicken, right? right. It, yeah. Okay. I mean, if that's like a, a full pizza, yeah, I, I think I could probably do that every day. You could you eat know? a full pizza. Well, every, I mean, we, okay. Look, so if we're if we're not worried about like um, you know our intake, like what if it's good for us or not? No, we're not. There's a lot of things. Yeah, I could eat a whole pizza you, every day. You could. Che- I, I wouldn't cheese get cheese or d- anything. The, okay. Yeah, whatever, any kind. It, it doesn't matter. Very low bar think, when it comes to pizza. I quality. think by I think by week I think by day ten you would be sick. You'd no. be sick of it. Yes, maybe physically sick. Yes, <laughs> it's a lot of dough. That's a lot of commitment, man. Yeah, I'd be four hundred and fifty pounds, but it's you know yeah. What but about you guys? The, with the pizza, you could at least kind of change it up some. So we'll, you know yeah. you have. That's I don't care about changing it up. You, you I really eat don't. Pepperoni straight yeah, every day. I could eat pepperoni every wow. day. Yeah, probably three minutes. I, I could I could do that for a couple weeks, not forty days. I don't think I could either. I'd go. I think I could eat uh, Penang curry. A crisp. I think I could eat a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. The original Ooh. glaze. I think I could eat a dozen of those for forty days. Yeah, that, those would go down. Because you could kind of just go back to them. You don't. We don't have to do it in thirty minutes, right? You could just kind of have a couple in the morning. Then you, you're bopping around at work. You grab one, and those things kind of melt in your mouth. It I, sounds like something you already do. <laughs> the way you bop. I have a little one. Bit, like, I have yeah. one. Have one in my pocket here. This like is one? my routine. I, I, I'm pretty sure though that too would get. Uh, can can you imagine the sugar intake after just even two weeks of eating a, a dozen? Of, a lot of naps after those crashes per day. Chris, yeah, I think it's one sitting, though. I mean, this guy pounded that chicken in one sitting. Yeah. He, Can you well, pound a dozen donuts in just one sitting? No, but we didn't say that's the rules. Oh, okay. But I, I did notice that his sittings, at first he was eating them in like 20 minutes, and then it became a two-hour process <laughs> by the end of it. Yeah. He was basically having to wash them down with water but i used to work with a gentleman that actually would eat rotisserie chickens with his hands um and it was it would drip everywhere it was quite uh disgusting actually and was so it, this person will remain nameless but it's um yeah was so, it was it brian <laughs> what would you what could you eat brian put the for, chicken in your mouth ah, for 40 straight days I what mean, is there rotisserie chicken so big a pizza so big i mean honestly i think i could it would be rough but something like a quarter pounder and cheese and fries or something like that it's kind of it's a meal yeah it's, it's be one setting you just need to knock it out but you would yeah. god three days and you'd be tough it'd be tough to get yeah i think that's less less food less but a big substantial like yeah spaghetti maybe what about it what about a uh, 32 ounce porterhouse could no. you could you no, no one, one a day no, that's Six, a lot. 16 ounce is 32 too yeah, much. Yeah, we could do, I could do a 16 ounce a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah give a me day. a strip. Yeah, 16 that's ounce. Ex- New York stuff's strip expensive right now, though. Someone would have to sponsor you. Yeah, if someone else is paying for it, I'm, I'm down. Well, it's it's all impressive, guys. Um, your gastro intake um, <laughs> is this is this is a great way to kick the end the end of the show off. I think by going to by you going a, to eat, you have a barbecue shirt I on. Eat, I mean, yes. you could eat this some is burn a, ends, maybe a little we're brisket. We're not trying to get sponsorship here, but if you want to give us a call, Edley's in Nashville, the best barbecue joint. Yeah. That's something. I've if I there. ate something for 40 days, it would their brisket's great, but it would be their banana pudding, Scott. Okay. Uh, a, yeah. a pound of banana pudding. How about this? Is there a dish your mom makes, like a like a homemade dish that you could eat your, you know, for 40 straight days? Like it is there something that you're like 
If I could get that for 40 days in a row, I would. Well, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, Chris, so we did eat the same thing every day. Thanks for bringing up those bad memories. And how uh, were those Vienna yeah. sausages? <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I'm the wrong guy to ask. I, 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 I could eat any. I'm my bar is very low. Yeah, I, I'm happy to eat whatever. I've you know? seen your bar; it's poorly stocked too. He'll <laughs> <laughs> drink whatever and he'll eat whatever. Yeah. Uh, my, my mom makes this uh, chicken casserole. Oh. That uh, I could, if that the whole rotisserie chicken were in that casserole, I could eat that for yeah. forty days in a row. I would weigh six hundred forty pounds because I think it's loaded with like like sour cream three and bo- cheese, three and jars of mayonnaise, and but, oh yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. I've never had your mom's casserole, but I'm hungry. You never no, will. All right, <laughs> very good. All right, thank you, BK. Uh, it's time to order some lunch up a rotisserie chicken for everyone. All right. Thanks to our guest today, uh, Brittany Lincecum. We wish her the best of luck this weekend in Bel Air. Sarah Walsh as she travels safely back from Munich, Germany. All right. To watch full-length podcasts, head to fox13news.com slash notpod. QR code on the screen. Zap it with your phone. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Get us every week in audio forum. And, of course, you can find the show on our splash page and all the socials as well. Much thanks to you, Chris Cato. Well, you're welcome. Never thought after last week I'd say that. (laughs) Brian King and, of course, our production crew here in NodPod Studios. And until the next time we are on, there are no off days. How do you say that in German? I think Guten. Is it Guten Tag? Prost. Prost. You've studied up. That's impressive.